Welcome to the Lighthouse Experiment, a Freedom Center Church podcast. Well, welcome back to the Lighthouse Experiment. It's going to be a good week. We have Sylvia Blythe from the Prism Project. And again, yours truly, Asha Chandler and Jim Parkin. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show. I know. (laughs) It's been a while. It's been a little while, but it's really cool to be able to see where the Prism Project has come since having you on last, hear how things are going and where things are at and stuff. And it's it's really cool. Yeah, I'm really um, thankful for you to have me back on. And um, Prism Project is advancing and got some help from a mentorship program that already has a safe house up and running uh, for minors. So getting that background and education is really helping me be able to prepare the best that I can. Yeah. For folks that have not listened to the episode that you were on before or are new to what the PRISM project is, like give us a quick rundown of of what it is and who you are and, and, uh, and all that. Okay. So I'm Sylvia. I've, um, I'm a nurse. I've been a nurse for about 18 years. Uh, the last eight years I have been um, trained and certified in sexual assault nursing. So through that, I have become very passionate about human trafficking. And I wanted to start a nonprofit uh, called the Prison Project to educate and bring awareness to human trafficking. During my time as a nurse, I noticed um, that is human trafficking is a huge issue. And even a bigger issue is that once a child is rescued out of trafficking, there's no place for them to go. And um, right now, about 300,000 children are at risk for being trafficked each year in the U.S. And about 600 beds available to take care of them uh, to this complex trauma. Yeah. And so it was just my heart to be able to uh, bring a safe house for minors it's like between 12 and 17 years old to Genesee County, um, eventually to bring in children from different areas. Awesome. Fantastic. Was it two years ago? When did all, uh, when did all this start? Actually a year and a half ago. So in June I started and we did a prevention and education for a lot. And now, um, through the mentorship program, I've come to reach, um, a place where we can start fundraising. So right now we have, we're starting a good foundation of a team building. Um, I already have connections with a lot of the uh, people in Genesee County through the human trafficking task force and just uh, over the years. And so we're now at a place that um, we're going to start looking for a building, but we need fundraising. So a lot of stuff goes into the process. We need, to have the building before we can get licensed to right. hold these children. So right now we are just ramping up to do fundraising and get community support um, for such a need. That's awesome. So back a year and a half or probably longer than that for you, what was there like a specific time and place where you were like, okay, now this is something, this is a need that's going to have to happen because like much like, 
in the mental health realm, there's no facilities in Genesee County, which is, you know, kind of on a different topic, but very much the same. There's nowhere for people to go. So as it stands now, people just get shipped out to other counties or further away, you know, in some cases from family. Is there anything in the state there are a couple places in the state. There's a lot less for minors. There might be. Oh, okay. Um, so there's for adults, but for minors, there's really nothing. There are facilities that can take children who have been trafficked, but it's more of um, a place where they kind of like a state institution where they hold gotcha. children of other, you know, that like foster children or abuse children it's not specifically so my dream is to build like a family like foundation where you have like six girls in a house they stay from anywhere from six months to two years to guide them and educate them in life skills to bring their medical and their education and their therapy all to them in one place Um, it would be a remote place that had you know plenty of room like I want to over 50 acres and that they just have that reprieve to right. have that chance to uh, learn and heal and then be able to go back into society, find their identity, and uh, be the best that they can, they can be. Right. That's awesome. How I got started, too, is I heard a survivor speak, and she had been you know, sexually abused as a young child, and then um, I won't tell her story, but what got me was that she had been, uh, this is kind of <laughs> R rated, but she had, she was gang raped by four people in a hotel room and they pretty much beat her up and left her for dead and threw her outside of a, uh, hospital and a maintenance man found her. And she was telling the story how that she was in the hospital and she was there for over a week and only one person had asked her, what had happened to her. And since she didn't want to speak, you know, to give up her so-called, you know, pimp, nobody ever decided to talk about it or ask her again. She's like, they may not know that I was knew I was trafficked, but they knew I was left for dead and nobody asked me. So part of my driving force too, is to kind of change that mentality um, that some of the healthcare professionals have about somebody just being a drunk or being a prostitute and not understanding where they really came from. Yeah. So. Well, and a lot of, you know, I remember some of the conversations that we had had a while, like when you were first, you know, some of those first initial questions of, I know there's a need, but what, I mean, what do you, what do you do? Like what, where do you start? I can only imagine that for a lot of healthcare providers that depending on if it's a first responder, an EMT, a nurse in the hospital, if there's no, if there's no like next step, what, what do you, what do you do? Like you either just ignore, you know, and don't ask because there's nothing to do for the patient or you have all the sympathy and you have to go home with that too, you know? So I can only imagine you know, and, and now this is why you're here doing what you're doing is that you, right. it, it, it tore you apart that you knew that you needed to, to do something about it, but you just didn't know what the physical next steps were to do. And that's what all this work has been 
to literally create these next steps of, okay, there's the goal. This is what we're working right. towards, but these are the physical steps that we're working towards right now to, to make this possible. You know, and with, uh, with the human trafficking thing too, just on the, at large, on the broad spectrum, for as many people that are talking about it, still there's quite a few people that just aren't listening, that just, you know I mean? For as hot as a, of a topic as it is, it's one of those things that we all know about it. I know about it because I follow people on the social media who are, who are making operations, you know, they're making rescue ops and they're doing all these things and big stings and stuff like that. And from being a part of a uh, prism project, I know about it. So where there's this community of people and we're all talking, but it's still, there's quite a few people that aren't listening. And I don't know if it's a case of this is too gross, you know, too ugly of a thing in a, a time filled with ugly things. We don't want to hear just one more, you know, but I mean, for us in the EMS community, it's always been a case of like when it comes to CPS or adult um, abuse situations, we're always super leery in the kind of the private sector to call, to be like the whistleblower. You know, I had earlier, right before COVID hit, Sylvia, I remember telling you guys about this. We were sent for just a woman down, female patient down, they said. So this lady is just semi-responsive in down in Flint, about like one of the, it used to be an old house. Now it's a law firm and just in the lawn. And it's like five o'clock, five thirty in the morning. And she's got like barely a negligee on and freezing cold and doesn't, knows her first name, doesn't know her last name, won't say her birthday. You can tell she's on something, you know, she's addicted. And so the first thing we took her to Hurley because it was the closest and probably most appropriate facility. But we're like, Hey, we need to, you need to check into this. You know, you need to start getting, trying to get information because I believe this is a trafficking situation. And even in this era where it's such a big thing, they were like, no, 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 no. It's just, she's probably just a drunk. She's probably just a this or that. I'm like, come on, like, what's it going to hurt? You know? And for, EMS providers listening, much like with CPS, alerting CPS to a situation doesn't mean that kids are being pulled from the home. It only That's means right. they're going to get a visit and someone's going to come advocate, probably for the whole situation. Right. So the idea that, that if you see something that doesn't seem right, the appropriate thing to do is always, because we're actually responsible to be, we're, re, we're responsible to report it's part of our purview. We are not only we're, we're really, we're required to. So when you see things, I mean, heck, I've been wrong a couple of times. I've been in homes where it seems sketchy. Yeah. So now there's actually, so there are more um, places to call. For instance, one, if you don't think somebody is, is an adult and you, they don't um, want help. I know a healthcare providers do run into that. Like, they don't want help. Um, but the national hotline, you can just give demographics and um, without the name, like you can just report, like if you see something that you're unsure about, 
Also, Crime Stoppers is another good one. Like you can just make a report online, just say, hey, this doesn't look right. I don't know if this is true, you know, or just for somebody to kind of look for it. Children are a little bit different. You have to, as mandated reporters, we have to call CPS and then, you know, the local police as well. I think Genesee County is starting to do a great job about getting the connections now. So the CAC is on board, um, which is the Child Advocacy Center. Hurley now and the local hospitals are starting to ask in triage, like three general questions regarding human trafficking. Um, the police are now being educated on what to look for and just not think it's um, prostitution, like getting that education of like, what's the difference between a prostitute and sex trafficking? A lot of people don't know that. And the difference is that prostitutes get to keep their money. However, a lot of times somebody turns 18 and the, the society views them as a prostitute. Well, I can tell you it starts long before 18. You know, a right. child that I have examined normally has some type of abuse history well before the age of 18. And they're just now coming up to the age 18. And then they're viewing themselves as a prostitute because that's all they were been told. Right. There cannot be a child prostitute. It's just not a thing. It's uh, illegal to have any kind of exchange of any for services in a sexual manner with a minor. It's just flat out legal. So there's no way that a, a child prostitute is even a thing. Right. So it's just trying to educate and get people to understand that some of these things like is things that I think is um, that I, you know, that I know, but a lot of people don't is that they think that you're ripped out of Walmart, you know, thrown into a car and sold for sex. But I can tell you only 3% of the population is ever abducted. A lot of it is just, it's master manipulation. It's, you know, grooming, it's, you know, online predators that now is in a feeding frenzy because all of our children are online. Right. It was just shown that 93, it's been a 93% increase of online enticements since January to June of this year compared to last year. Wow. And it's, right. and it's scary. I mean, so that's why well, I'm so right, passionate about just educating. Stuck at home too, Right. Right. And all children are online because they are for school now. And the parents are during the pandemic, we're trying, you know, parents are trying to feed their kids and go to work and they can't pay attention online. They got all the schoolwork. And so, and predators know this. So it's just, it is more of an epidemic for per se than even COVID is, but nobody's talking about it, you know, and it's just, so education is just so you know, can be such a powerful tool because human trafficking is based off vulnerability. So if we can educate our children on, you know, what body safety is and that their body's their own, how much that can help them in the future of like, Hey, this doesn't seem right. Somebody wants to see my body and they're not supposed to. And I know that's very difficult conversations for parents to have with their children. And a lot of parents are uncomfortable with that, but the years of as a child grows up in the years of 
you know, that feeling of shame or, um, you know, that if, when, if they had to go through abuse and thinking it's their fault, like that takes so many more years to recover than just to have a, a conversation that could have helped prevent that from them right. going through yeah. all that. Yeah. So, um, like education and stuff like that. So what would you like to see as far as for healthcare professionals, like what's the type of education that you're trying to get out there? What are some of the main things that you want to know or do? Well, number one, to look for indicators. You know, uh, we all have that. We always want to help as healthcare providers, but sometimes, unfortunately, we get jaded. Jim, I'm sure, you know. <laughs> so um, somebody yeah. comes in and they're always drunk or always high or, you know, it's kind of like, oh, they're drunk or high, but, and we're busy and we're trying to go from one patient to the next. And so I guess my really goal is just to try to change that, that mindset. So if you see, you know, an 18 year old or 19 year old, or even, you know, just, or even older, but just wonder like what had to get them that point, like what got them to the point where they need to get high or drunk every day in order to cope. Yeah. And it's trying to kind of change that stigma of like, number one, just treating them as a human being that you may be able to get more information. And then just asking simple questions like, you know, hey, who do you live with? Do you feel safe at home? You know, and it's start red flags start coming up. We do have protocols or just questions to ask, like, like, do you have you ever had to trade any sexual acts for money? Have you ever had to do anything on that you weren't comfortable with. And as a healthcare provider, like a lot of times um, patients will talk to us and kind of tell us, like I had a woman in to the Y and, you know, she wouldn't talk to the police because number one, she's petrified and she would just open up her whole story of like who, what, when, where, and how it happened just because I was there to treat her and I didn't uh, wasn't judgmental. And I believe totally that she had been trafficked, but she called herself a prostitute. And that's what some people were treating her as. Right. So it was trying to get that stigma of that, hey, you, she could have given you up a whole bust if you just would have taken the time to listen. That's true. Right. That's interesting that, that we do that, you know, that we get get in a rush or whatever the case may be. You know, I know that I've, I've had the occasion to be where it's, I'm supposed to, the shift's supposed to be over, you know, and, and main dispatch gets us that one last time. And that's what, you know, you run into and it's just someone who's a minor and they're just high or they're, you can tell that, you know, they're just drunk or whatever the case may be, or it's who they wanted to commit suicide and, you know, so you've had a hundred in a row of people who said they were going to kill themselves or have suicidal ideations, but then it was really just attention seeking. But if you get in that mindset, then that one person who really had this situation going on, they can, they can, you know, you can slip and miss it. You know, I just think it's, it's, uh, I guess what I would want people in my field or in healthcare in general is just to remember why there's a reason we all started doing this job. And every once in a while, you got to kind of take time, step back and think of that. Think of why did you start this in the first place? I know for me, that's sometimes helpful 
kind of recalibrate, you know, when you're less liable to miss things. But I think that stigma of, well, this person's not being trafficked, you know, they're a prostitute. I think that that is an easy miss on our part. You know, law enforcement, for the, for, especially in the first responder community, you know. Well, if you think about it, like literally no girl has ever just woke up and said, hey, I want to be a prostitute when I grow up. Right. And if we can get in that mindset of no little girl ever dreams of doing that, of selling their body. So it's a image or some kind of possibly abuse that led them there. And then they're using drugs and stuff to cope behind it, which we're seeing how, you know, emergency medicine is we're seeing the problem at hand. And right. that is the stigma. And that is the rut that we've gotten into because that's what we're trained to do. But if you see this 16 year old and she's high and drinking and, you know, consider her promiscuous as I guess, you know, sometimes, Oh, she's just, but you're like, but why, you know, what's her home life that she is running away from to be able to be on the streets getting high and looking for food. I mean, yeah, we don't understand the psychological trauma behind it. And it was very interesting to me because I can't tell you how many times when they're like, Oh, she must not be telling the truth because her story is, you know, she keeps changing her story. I hear that a lot. But if we go back to the basics of how trauma affects the brain, you have your prefrontal cortex, which is your logical thinking, and then you have your amygdala, which is your emotions response. So when you're in a traumatic event, your amygdala, which is your norepi and epi, go through the roof. And what happens to those memories is they're like sticky notes. So in order to provide a memory, you know, just pretend that you have a memory and they're all layered in order in sticky notes. Like I ate breakfast at nine o'clock today. Well, then you take those those sticky notes and you shake them up and you throw them on a desk. That's what happens to their brain after a traumatic event. So they may have pieces and parts, but they can't put it in a logical order. And that's not their fault. That's the way the brain is responding to this traumatic event. So it really comes down to education and understanding the psychological behavior behind it. And my passion really is, you know, more minors because it's just like, want to get them to, you know, so they won't have to go through that lifelong healing process if there's a way that we can educate and prevent on the forehand great but then also now we're rescuing these girls because it is you know out of trafficking but there's so much psychological damage that there's no place really um they're out there to to have this kind of complex trauma like for long term yeah right so it's just and that's well that's why it's important to have like the ghost team and the and the task force in Genesee County and stuff when it comes to human trafficking. So for like on our end, there's so many calls to respond to, just right. generally speaking. And that's the same with law enforcement as well. There's just so much stuff that we're reacting to. So to be proactive is very hard for just the you know, for the patrol officer and for the 
ambulances driving around the, the county. It's, you know, to, to have a few minutes to be, have like eyes and ears on the ground and be watching is one thing, but we're so caught up just responding to the general call after call after call. You know, we do on my rig, we average eight to 10 calls in 12 hours. And that's just regular trauma, cardiac, respiratory, all the just the general things. So that's why it's super important to have not only the the Genesee County, the Human Trafficking Tax Force and the Sheriff's Department's ghost team and all these entities that are actively like searching for these bad actors and making these operations to rescue girls out. You know, it's also important to have what we have going on with Prison Project to have that long-term aftercare, right? Because still, there's not that many places prepared to do that kind of treatment post-rescue. Not really, because it's not just mental health. This is a whole different level of trauma, you know, plus drug rehab, plus because typically... If a girl or in some cases a boy is trafficked, they've been made to be addicted. You know, sometimes it's they're using drugs to mask that trauma and pain. But a lot of the time to keep them from, you know, having them the wherewithal to leave, they keep them addicted. And what that also does is if I have you addicted, you have to come to me. Right. That goes Uh, basic, you know, ha- <clears throat> has a little hierarchy of needs. They're kept at that right. basic lower level that food and water, and they can't even move up to the next level, which is safety. Cause a lot of times, well, why don't they run away? Well, psychologically, yeah. they just can't because they are kept at that bottom level of just of survival right. mode. I just need water and food and they probably shoot them up with some drugs and then they can't even think about their safety at that point. And a lot of, I mean, EMS is great because like they get to see the house, they can go in and, you know, if you see something that just doesn't look right, like shut doors or there's padlocks on a door or there's a mattress on the floor, you walk in, there's six girls or there's a, you know, minority group and they all are shoved in one closet. I mean, Mm -hmm. just, and it's not always, you know, that you know, easy to spot, but you guys are like the first ones there. You're like going into these people's homes. Right. And so just, you know, and I like, have seen that. I have literally seen that in, in a community in this County that you wouldn't expect it. Certainly wasn't Flint, you know, and I, I go for as a female patient with just general flu like symptoms, but who I believe to be the handler still to this day, I don't know what the outcome was. He would not provide us with ID. Her English was barely there. His was broken with just, she's got to go to the hospital. Didn't care which hospital, just she needs to go to the hospital. And while he's getting, you know, he's getting irritated with me because like, well, I got to have ID. They're going to need to see it. Then down the hallway from where we're standing, the door opens and I see like three sets of eyes peering out that all seem to be the same nationality of minor female. So, you know, in my opinion, one plus one still equals two. So I let the, their local, the local law enforcement know I, to this day, because this was years ago. So it was before this was kind of a hot topic. Right. But still, it was shady. 
So <laughs> well, and I and I think as time moves on, I think that you know the forerunners that can go um, ahead of the curve a bit and say, no, we can do better than this. We can provide these services. We can do all this work to make this happen. Um, I think it will get that that wave slowly running. And, you know, I believe that, Sylvia, this is going to be the work of the first of many um, places that, whether it's the PRISM Project or other organizations that are encouraged to stand up and, and do more, it's just huge. It's just a huge, um, in so many ways, so many ways of what, what this means. Um, I mean, if we can break the cycle just for one kid, that could be generations, Yeah, you right. know, because a lot of times it's like their mother did the best they could, but that's all they knew. They were still trying to get their drugs and they sold their child, you know, so right. we don't know what's going to happen with that one child, even or six, you know, it's like it could go on for generations. Hey, you broke the cycle and now their kids won't have to go through the same thing. Yeah. Right. And really I use because my mind is kind of military sometimes, but I use the term a lot, uh, um, force multiplier. And a lot of times what this could be, what you, we could do is as these, these kids are coming through and they're having that initial medical care and that detox, and then they spend time, you know, in this safe house and preparing them, you know, to, to your, with the healing and the spiritual healing and the physical healing and the, and all those things, then they can become part of this team. You know, they can become, cause a lot of times, right. That happens with, with, uh, sub substance abuse. A lot of times people go through all of that and a couple years of sobriety go by and now all of a sudden they're a counselor, Yeah, you know, and so on and so on and so on. And much with, with TLE and stuff like that, people that go through trauma want to talk about that trauma with other people who have been through that same thing. You know what I mean? So it's just, this is a long time, lifelong deal mm-hmm. that you've been obedient to do. <laughs> so like <laughs> it's, but it's one of those things, same, same with what we're doing here. It's just, you know, now you're in and it's just, and you can't, I'm sure, not a second goes by that you're not thinking about it, you know? That's and it's, true. So it's, it's an amazing, amazing thing, you know, that, but it's, we're on this, like Pastor always says, this isn't heaven, and it isn't hell. It's that craziness in between, you know, but there has to be people like you and like, you know, and like the whole team that are willing to double down and just, dig deep and make people aware. I think a big thing is always talking about it, always posting about it. People don't want to hear it. Like I have friends that get mad at me for every time I post something that says that like the website Pornhub transferred 726,000 gigabytes of data per minute last year. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's where yeah. it starts. It makes people uncomfortable, but you're making all those poor girls uncomfortable for a lifelong time. Because like you said, nobody, when they were asking you what you wanted to be in middle school, nobody said porn star. Nobody said trafficked. 
right? Like you said earlier in the episode, no one ever said that. Right. Just, it's hard, but I'm just so grateful that, um, that you're doing this, Sylvia. I mean, I, I yeah. just can't even imagine. So the what lives I that like are going to be touched. You operate them just like me. I'm the kind of guy that for TLE, God laid this mission on my heart and it was a good mission. So I'm just full blast, full forward. <laughs> yeah. And I have to have good people around me to kind of do the planning. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just, I'm not so good at that part. I know what I need. I know what I want to do, but I'm just all in. And I see that, you know, watching you with, with this, I see that you just, you have the mission and you know, it's a good one. So you you're building a great team around you. That's going to be able to like ask the right questions and, and do the right things on the sides and stuff like that. How can folks donate then? Like what does that look like right now? So we do have a website. We have some information on our website. You can donate uh, straight to the website. Our website is uh, www.prisonproject61.org. The 61 is Isaiah 61, (laughs) which talks about, you know, setting the press free. But um, so you can donate directly on our page. We also do sell some hope necklaces, which is kind of like shining the light and bringing hope to survivors. So um, it's like a little prism necklace. We're also planning some big events in the future uh, to be able to help. Uh, with reaching our goal of buying uh, the safe house. Other ways to support is just to be educated, just be able to, you know, talk to your kids about it. And if we do do presentations and if you need a presentation, you can, you know, email us at prison project 61 at gmail.com. And we'd be happy to come out and talk to whether it's a business or a community or a church just to give some education on uh, human trafficking. Well, we will definitely attach that. Ashley, you know how to do that, right? Put their mm-hmm. email and stuff on with the, with the episode when it posts. Anyway, I think, you know, it's just an amazing thing we got going on here. So with that, just okay. thanks for what you're doing. Thanks for coming on again and sharing your story. You know, we'll get this out there and get people educated and get people involved. Thank you so much, Sylvia. You and um, the team, Allison, everybody on your board and everything is just doing a phenomenal job. And so um, we continue to pray for you and we're there for you. We continue to support you in any way that we can. And uh, you guys are doing a phenomenal job. And I'm really excited to see um, just watch as this continue to, continues to build and unfold and what this will continue to mean for uh, Genesee County, Michigan, and I'm, I'm believing beyond. So, well, you know, well done already. Well done already, friend. So thank you. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Again, you can check out TLE on social media, Facebook and Instagram. Um, we'll have information for you up. Maybe we should tell them that I'm the vice president. <laughs> yes. Jen oh, is my vice president. <laughs> Hey, I'm looking for a treasure too, Ashley. (laughs) So anyway, yeah, we'll get you guys in the loop and keep you involved. And thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time.